chapter 15. Verse 1. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer, so that Pilate was amazed. Now at the feast, he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. And Pilate said to to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus... He delivered him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion. And they clothed him in a purple cloak, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him. And they led him out to crucify him. Amen. That is a solemn reading of God's word, isn't it? It's a solemn passage of scripture, hopefully a a solemn reading uh, as well, uh, as we think of these events. And in many of our Bibles, it will have, you know, uh, Pilate judging Jesus, Jesus on trial, some heading like that. But is that really what is happening? Well, in one sense, that is true. That is what is happening. But, But perhaps in another sense, we could say this. There really is a Pilate that is on trial here. And his verdict about Jesus. Let me illustrate what I mean by that. I don't know if you like going to art galleries. Uh, I know there's one in Aberdeen. I know it's free to enter, so I'm surprised I haven't been there yet. Um, But I do remember the last time I went to an art gallery, and I remember the story related to that. Um, What? 
Grace and I, we got tickets to go to Buckingham Palace once, you see. And you go, when you get tickets, you go to three different parts. You go to the garage, and you go to the gallery, and you go to the house. And these are times. You go in at a certain point, and they gave you, give you a lot of time to go to these places. And uh, so we went along, and the garage, oh, that was quite interesting. I saw all the cars and carriages through the years. Very interesting indeed. Now, in my naivety, when it said gallery, I actually didn't know what we were going to. It just said gallery, so I kind of thought, oh, well, we'll see. Gallery of what? And you were allowed an hour and a half. So I thought, this will be good. Well, <laughs> I, I went in, and there were two rooms, smaller than this room, quite small in this room, full of paintings. So I probably lasted about 10 minutes, I would say, until I went to my long-suffering wife, can we go for coffee? And uh, so she said, said, uh, sort of rolled her eyes probably, and said, yes, we, yeah, that's okay. So we spent the next hour having coffee, not looking at paintings, because I was bored, you know, and um, then we went in the house, which was interesting as well. But it reminded me of an event that I'd heard of um, about another man who was in an art gallery, and similar to me, uh, was bored and didn't think much of it. Uh, and unlike me, he voiced his ignorance, you see. I, best sometimes to be quiet and let people think you're ignorant rather than open your mouth and proving you are. Um, so, and he said, oh, this is pointless. There's nothing here, you know, as he looked at the paintings. And a man came up to him and he said this. He said, young man, which he wouldn't say to me, of course. He said, young man, history has already delivered its verdict on these paintings. Your opinion is just a verdict upon yourself. And he was being chastised. So I was kind of glad I didn't open my mouth loud when I went to Buckingham Palace Gallery, you see. Well, interesting, isn't it? Because the verdict on Jesus Christ has already been made in Mark's Gospel. Right at the start, chapter 1, if, we, if you were here all those times ago, but you might remember, the verdict was given by God. You are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. At the transfiguration of the Lord Jesus Christ, a similar verdict from God was given there. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. So the verdict has been made already from the highest place possible. There is nowhere else to appeal to. The God himself has said, the God who knows all things, who sees all things, delivered his verdict upon his beloved son and said, he is my beloved son, he is well pleased, and you need to listen to him. And so when we come with this interaction here today, yes, in one sense, we do see the Lord Jesus Christ on trial. But in another sense, I'm going to suggest to you all that we see Pilate really on trial. Because the decision that he makes about the Lord Jesus Christ, his verdict on the Lord Jesus Christ, and his subsequent actions have eternal significance for him. For him. And I might suggest to you, in fact, I will submit to you, that your verdict as an individual about the Lord Jesus Christ has eternal significance for you, for each and every one of us. We'll look and we'll see Pilate 
uh, he, he's amazed at one point. We'll see his injustice. We'll, we'll see his weakness. We'll see his mockery. But through it all, as there is through all of Scripture, we, we see the hand of God working these things through to his perfect plan. There is the hand of God through us, and particularly today. So listen, I want us to think just quite quickly perhaps today uh, we're going to think first of all of Pilate's amazement is the is the morning time that this when when Mark refers to the morning and the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes it's really what we might call the third trial of the Lord Jesus Christ by, by the Jewish religious leaders he's already been taken uh, to Caiaphas and then to Annas already and those uh, trials were illegal under Jewish law because they were in, the, in darkness. But now the Lord Jesus Christ, well, it's not so much a trial, is it? Because what we read in Matthew's Gospel of the equivalent, there's no let's gather the evidence and let's bring it together, let's hear the prosecution, let's hear the defense, and then we will issue a verdict having done all those. It's nothing like that. Basically, Matthew tells us they took counsel together against Jesus to put him to death. So that's what they were looking to do. They met to decide how they would get Jesus put to death. And then after the three Jewish trials, when we bring scripture together, there's three Roman trials. Mark doesn't give us the middle one before Herod, uh, but he brings the ones before Pilate and compresses them together. It's not a problem. He just doesn't include the one before Herod. Because the Jewish religious leaders had for a long time wanted to put the Lord Jesus to death. Back in Mark chapter 3, we read they, they sought to destroy him. They saw him healing a, a man who had a withered hand in the synagogue. And Mark records they wanted to put him to death. They'd seen the evidence of what he could do. They'd seen his power. They'd heard his authority, but that was that for them. But they had no legal authority under Rome to carry out the death sentence, which is really interesting, which is really interesting when we think of the very time in history that it has occurred that God has so ordained that the Lord Jesus Christ would himself be put to death by crucifixion at this time in history. The Jewish method of executing someone, as you might know, was to stone them to death. To stone them to death. The Romans, if, they, if it was a Roman citizen, would be to behead him. You couldn't crucify a Roman citizen. That was against the law. So atrocious was this form of execution. But God had planned this all out. That the Lord Jesus Christ would be lifted up. Prophesied back in the Old Testament. That he would be pierced for our transgressions. As the Son of Man must be lifted up, the Lord Jesus Christ would say. So the death that he would die would be a death of crucifixion. And we'll think more about that next week, but a little about it this week as well. So that although they had attempted to put him to death by trying to throw him off a cliff, we read in Luke chapter 4, John chapter 8, we read they picked up stones to stone and they couldn't do it. 
They couldn't do it. Because in God's plan, it would be Jesus Christ would be crucified upon a cross on that express day when they were offering the Passover lambs. And so, they bring him before Pilate. And of course, they have to change the charge. The charge that they had against him in the Jewish trials was a charge of blasphemy. He makes himself out to be God. Well, that would be blasphemy, but it was true. Because he is God. And was God. And always will be God. And he proved it by the things that he did and the words that he said. Just this week, he's, one, he's gone to Sunday school now. I was in a class in a school there. And I, I said, you know, if someone claimed to be God, what would, what, would, what would you say to them? Well, one of the things you could say, prove it. Prove it. That's what we see in the records of Scripture with the eyewitness accounts that Jesus Christ on many times proved who he was by the things that he did. Not in a dark corner, but in a very public place, he did those things. Noah, who had that power? God alone could have that power and the authority with which he taught. So, but blasphemy wouldn't interest the Romans. So basically the thing was brought out, he is treasonous, he makes himself out to be a king, a rival, he's leading a rebellion. So the change, the charge is changed. And, and Pilate is seeking to get, well, is he seeking to get to the truth? Probably not, but he asks Jesus the question, are you the king? And the Lord Jesus Christ says, as you can read it in your Bibles, verse 2, you have said so. It's rather an enigmatic reply, isn't it? You have said so. But basically, it means it is as you say. It is as you say. Yes, he's confirmed he is. And the wise men came, didn't they, from 800 miles away at his birth. Where is he who was born king of the Jews? It's true, he was born as a king. And Jesus said, yes, it is so. Well, the chief priests, as we read, brought more charges against him. They poured out a torrent. Now, as you or I, I'm sure we would speak up, wouldn't we? Quickly, to defend ourselves against these things that were said against us. We're quick to do it in all sorts of circumstances, aren't we? Not even a trial, you know. If someone blames us for something, or we think they're even blaming us for something, we'll quickly rise to our defence. We, we know what we're like. We're like that from a young age, and we're probably like that uh, to a quite old as well. But even the Lord Jesus said not a word. We read verse 5 he makes no further answer and we could speculate and there's lots of things I could say about that but one thing I want to bring before you is this it was all in line with what was said about him 600 years before it happened Isaiah 53 verse 7 some 600 years before the events we're reading about Isaiah 53, verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Now Isaiah 53 speaks about a servant of God to come. A servant of God to come. And I think anyone who reads Isaiah 53 
and reads it inquiring of the Lord and with, with an open mind, so to speak. Who is it speaking of? The answer comes, it speaks clearly of Jesus Christ. Now, Pilate was amazed. But then we see in the next section, he's unjust. Because he, he wants to release Jesus. He says, I find no guilt in this man. He's innocent of these charges, but Pilate is weak. He doesn't have the courage of his convictions to do the right thing. Now, I suppose we could be quite hard on Pilate here, or I could be quite hard on Pilate, and you would think, well, why aren't you then? Well, 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 I, I could be. But do we see ourselves in there a little bit? Do we see ourselves in there a little bit? We know the right thing to do in given situations, yet we don't do it. Can we relate to that? I can. I think you can as well. Hopefully not with regard to these things, the of things of eternal significance, particularly them. Because Pilate, in his weakness, knows that Jesus is completely innocent. And he looks to an escape route. Because there was this custom, as we've read, that once a year, on a given day, the Roman authorities would release one prisoner. No matter what the crime they had done, and the Jewish people could name who that prisoner was. They could be earmarked for execution that day, or in any coming day, and they wouldn't be too far away. But they, on this day, would release this one prisoner. And Pilate, though he doesn't have the courage himself to do the right thing, thinks, well, I'll garner the crowd. I'll garner the crowd. And he believes that surely... When he asks the crowd, um, who shall I release? Surely, they will say, release Jesus. Release the king of the Jews. Verse 10, we read, Pilate knew it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered. Oh, he knew that. You know, he wasn't entirely ignorant. You know, it, it was really quite clear that these men who had brought Jesus to him bound had done it, not out of a, a desire for justice, not out of a desire that uh, there might be a good rule from Rome in Israel at that time, but truly out of envy. They hated Jesus and they wanted him eliminated. Pilate understood that, but he thought, I'll go to the crowd. And the crowd will say, release Jesus. I'll get to release him. That will appease something of, of my conscience with regard to these matters. And, and no one could say much against me because that's what I've done. And the crowd ask for that. But what do we see? He goes to the crowd. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? The crowd shout, crucify him. Why? Why does the crowd shout that? 
Why does this crowd, we don't know who's in the crowd, shout back? Well, a small vocal minority with very fixed opinions had stirred up the unthinking majority. Now, you could probably think in times in history and times in life even nowadays where that still happens. A very vocal minority stir up a majority, many who are unthinking, and they voice what the minority want them to say. It happens. And we could think about history, but we're not going to do that. Time presses on for us. And what they show out is crucify him, release Barabbas. Barabbas, a man who had committed murder in an insurrection against Rome. I hope you see the irony. The charge the Jewish leaders brought before uh, the Roman authorities, or Pilate, with regard to Jesus, is he leads a rebellion. He leads a rebellion. You should crucify him. Of course, that was utterly false. He wasn't leading a rebellion against Rome. But the man whom they asked to be released had led a rebellion against Rome. And so they asked for the guilty one to go free, but for the innocent one to be punished. And Barabbas, who is in some cell, I imagine, and unlike our times, justice in Roman times was quick. You didn't get to spend a long time appealing verdicts and things like this. He was due for execution, maybe that day. Maybe on that day with two other friends with him. The guilty goes free and the innocent is crucified. And there, even in some way, I'll suggest to you, we have an imperfect, yes, and faint picture of what will occur at the cross. Yes, it can fall down, I understand. But the innocent one is punished and the guilty go free. It's imperfect, it's faint, I understand that. But that is precisely what the gospel message is about. As the book of Corinthians tells us, Jesus Christ was made sin for us. The innocent one was made sin for us. That we might be the righteousness of God in him. That we might be released. That we might be regarded as righteous in God's sight. Because of what he achieved on the cross. Now Pilate has done this then. Pilate has firstly been amazed. We've seen Pilate's weakness. He doesn't want to do the right thing. He's trying to get out from that. But then we really see his cruelty. Verses 12 onwards. Because that's failed. The attempt to release Jesus on this day has failed. And then he asks the question, verse 12, what shall I do with the man? What shall I do? He knows what he should do. He should release him. 
No doubt. It's not guilty. So he asks, what shall I do? Well, the crowd, whipped up, say, crucify him. See, Pilate basically is this. A man, a person who wanted to please others. And his pleasing others, desire to please others above other things. There's other factors I could bring into this, but I'm not going to. But basically, that's at the heart of it. He wants to please the crowd. And what the crowd want is what he will just go along with, as we'll see. And that's a real dangerous place to be in life, isn't it? Bring it to ourselves again. To just be a pleaser of a crowd of people. And to just go along with them. And there's all sorts of situations in life where that can bring harm to us. In a lot of ways. But particularly when it comes to the message of the gospel and faith in Jesus Christ. Because humanly speaking, people can know it's possible for an individual to, to know the truth about Jesus Christ, to understand, but not want to be an individual who's separate. And to just go along with the crowd, maybe the family, maybe the friends, maybe the work group, whatever that might be. Because they understand to side with Jesus Christ will make them different. Will indeed make them separate. Their identity now will be completely different. And that's an understanding, it's a right understanding, that it will. It will. That's what Jesus calls people to as well. Because coming to faith in him is an individual thing. And by definition, it will separate in some manner, in some form, yourself from those who are individual. And the fear of man, humanly speaking, can stop someone confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and trusting him as Saviour. And that has eternal consequences. Pilate is a man-pleaser. The crowd shout, crucify him. And maybe some who shouted crucify him on this Friday morning were of the same crowd who on the Sunday previous had shouted, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Some people try and say that it was an entirely different crowd. I don't think so. I'm sure some were of that same crowd, though maybe not all. Opinion had quickly changed. At one point they Shout with the crowd, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Five days later, crucify him. Crucify him. And you and I understand to what, what crucifixion is about. Pilate asks, what evil has he done? Well, the answer is none. He wants to establish, why do you want him crucified then? 
For the crowd, Mark records, just don't answer that. Crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate, as we've thought, wanted to satisfy the crowd. The loud, persistent crying. And we read, yes, Barabbas is released, as we've thought. But he has Jesus scourged, whipped. They took out whips. I'm not going to describe this in its, all its horridness. But they would take a man. They would tie him to a post, bent over this post. They would take a whip. And in the cords, this multi-corded whip at the ends, there'd be hooks <coughs> and stones. And they would beat him. Not like the Jewish whipping, this would be without number. And men would often die from this. And it would open the back and the flesh of someone to expose the muscles, the sinews, even the organs of a person. And the very one for whom all things were created, through whom all things were created, was the one bent over that post. The very one who had gone around healing all of disease, healing blindness, curing deafness, making the, la the lame to walk is the one who had his back opened at that point. He was scourged under Pilate's jurisdiction. And again, it fulfilled prophecy. Isaiah again writes about it. Six hundred years before this happened. Isaiah 50 verse 6, again speaking about God's servant who would come, writes this. The servant speaks, I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting who does it speak of the answer must come I suggest Jesus Christ all in God's perfect plan let us not think of the Lord Jesus Christ here as a helpless victim of gross injustice yes it is gross injustice but he is not a helpless victim he, he does this in complete obedience to the plan of God. Complete obedience. And we read that Pilate delivers him to be crucified. The third time the word delivered is in our text today. <coughs> He's delivered up. You know, 50 days later, Peter will give some clarity on this. Peter would give clarity. And he says these words. He says these words perhaps to some who were there that day. 
Undoubtedly, some were there that day. And he says these words in Acts chapter 2 as he stands in Jerusalem. He says, men of Israel, hear these words. Hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. There's no dispute. Listen up. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. This was God's plan. This was God's plan that he would be crucified. He says, yes, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Yes, you're responsible for that. You are responsible. But God was over it as well, working those things through. The Lord Jesus had consistently said that the plan of God was for him to be delivered up to the chief priests, then delivered to the Gentiles. They'll mock him, they'll spit on him, they'll flog him, kill him. I don't know if they listened to the last bit very well. And after three days, he will rise. After three days, he will rise. All of this, all of this, the Lord Jesus Christ, obedient to the plan of God in perfect unity with the plan of God. He did this and he would be crucified out of love. people in this world think of this verse in john 3 verse 16 for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life yes jesus christ comes into this world to live that perfect life he takes that flesh and here we see him mocked Humiliated, if I could use that word, they're seeking to humiliate him. In that last section, in verses 16 to 20, well, it is Pilate's mockery, I've called it, because ultimately Pilate's in charge of this. He could stop it. The soldiers mock him. They put on a crown of thorns. You know, thorns only came into this world after the fall of man. And it was the fall of man, sin coming into this world that separates man from God. And the picture there is of the thorns going on the brow. It's a picture of the curse and Jesus bearing the punishment upon himself that was due to you and I. Bearing the punishment. There's the picture. A crown of thorns. One day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But to those who are willing to do that now, there is salvation. Confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and believed that he is the saviour whom God raised from the dead. Well, the soldiers mocked him. They spat on him. They, they, I mean, in all the whippings and all that, that's awful. But the spitting on someone as well is the degradation of humanity. But this was a man, more than a man. What I find amazing is this. I hope not with too much conjecture at all. Because they do crucify the Lord Jesus Christ, these Roman soldiers. He is a bloodied mess. He is. And they nail him to the cross. 
And when he's upon the cross, he takes from the hand of God the punishment for sin, the wrath of God. It comes upon him that it might not go upon us. Because on the cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. And one Roman centurion looks. I just take it that Roman centurion was there when they mocked Jesus. Maybe participated in the spitting upon Jesus. On the nailing of Jesus to the cross. But seen it all. Just cast your eyes down to verse 39 of chapter 15. The centurion stood facing him, saw that in this way he breathed his last, and said, truly, this man is the Son of God. In my mind's estimation, this was a confession of faith. I could be wrong. I think in my mind, that's what it was. Amazing to think the grace of God, isn't it? of a man who participated in all that we've read of today, six hours later, confesses who Jesus Christ is. And if I'm correct, has forgiveness of sin and eternal life. A demonstration, an example, that no matter what anyone has done, there remains even now at this day an opportunity to trust in Jesus Christ, to know him and to know eternal life through him, the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What's your verdict on the Lord Jesus Christ? We've seen pilots, but the question more is what is ours. Let's pray. Father, we just bow in your presence. We thank you for your word today, and we think of the solemnity of Scripture, but we think of the accuracy of Scripture, of what it speaks, of the one who gave himself, the one whom men thought they delivered up, but ultimately he was delivered up according to the very plan of God for the salvation of souls. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us all to have high and lofty thoughts of him and to respond in the right way to the good news the gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we come. Amen.